Hi, I'm Allison, and welcome to the Searching for Vitality podcast. Candice and I are the co-hosts, and we are interviewing health and wellness practitioners in the greater Omaha and Lincoln area with the goal of learning different ways to better our wellness. We are searching for ways to better our mind, body, and spirit, and invite you to follow along in our journey. Our hope is that this podcast inspires you to connect with various experts in our local community to build a team to help you along your own journey. We hope you enjoy this episode. In this episode, we are talking with Jen Fries, a certified lymphedema therapist and owner of Propel Therapy. Her areas of expertise are in lymphedema, lymphatic treatment, wound care, and edema management. She creates individualizing treatments and focuses on the importance of recovery and self-care to optimize performance. Thank you, Jen, for talking with us today. Can you share a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Jen. I'm the owner of Propel Therapy. Um, it's a relatively newer company, but I have been in the field for a long time. Um, I initially um, got my undergraduate degree with psychology and business, uh, lived in the city for a little bit of Chicago for about five years, um, took some time off, decided to move back to Omaha and went to school to be an occupational therapist. So I'm an OT by trade. Um, and then after that, um, worked in the skilled nursing facility facilities for a while, decided that really wasn't my setting, um, then transitioned to home health care and did that for about five years. And that's when I became certified in lymphedema. Um, when I was certified with lymphedema, it was a, it still is the relatively newer um, diagnosis for uh, the medical field. A lot of uh, physicians have admittedly said that they only take about one quarter or less of um education on the lymphatic system. So it's a relatively newer concept, a little bit more holistic thinking. Uh, and so I decided that this was my opportunity to kind of combine all of my degrees with the business psychology and uh, medical background to start my own business. So um, I started Propel. Um, we had a baby a year ago. And um, when I was postpartum, decided that I you know, I'm crazy. And I just did it all at once. So <laughs> had a new baby, started a business, did, did all the things. Um, and when I started my business, um, I'm what Propel is a mobile lymphedema outpatient clinic. So essentially it's a outpatient clinic, like you were to get anywhere else for lymphedema or any outpatient therapy clinic, but, um, Propel, we get to go to the houses without the restrictions of home health care. So if you're under home health care, um, there's a lot of reimbursement issues on the back end that limit frequencies for visits, et cetera. Um, and you have to be homebound and you have to have a certain number of disciplines in. And there's just a lot um, that goes into home health specifically. So um, Propel doesn't have those restrictions. I can act as a mobile clinic and go to the person's house and they don't have to be homebound um, it would just be essentially that we go in, um, we're bringing the clinic to them. So um, it's a really big concept in the West Coast. Um, the, 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 I guess the fancy name for it is concierge therapy, but it's just, we go to you. Um, so we don't have a clinic per se, but your patient's home is our clinic. Yeah, yeah that's awesome that you're able to kind of fill that gap and meet that need for people. Yeah, there's a huge need too. And um, I have been um, overwhelmed in a, such a good way with the amount of need that there is for this. Um, and it's there's definitely a large population that has not been getting the services that they need. So I'm happy to kind of, yeah, fill that gap. Could you maybe start by giving us an overview of what the lymphatic system is and what it does? Yeah, absolutely. So lymphatic system in general is, it's an overall, so lymphedema essentially, 
without getting too deep into the anatomy is there's a injury or damage to the lymphatic system. So um, if there's an injury, say for example, breast cancer is a very prevalent one where if um, a patient has breast cancer and a lymph node is removed, um, the removal of that lymph node would be a damage and injury to the lymphatic system, which essentially could result in pooling um, of fluid. So lymphedema is a protein-rich fluid that's made up of all the good stuff, like um, proteins, cells, all that stuff that just kind of can accumulate, um, which leads to increased swelling. We naturally all have um, inflammation in our bodies. That does not mean you have lymphedema. Lymphedema is stageable. There's um, a few stages which we can kind of get into, but there's a natural inflammation and edema, um, and that's just swelling that can either go with elevation or compression. Um, and that does not have a protein rich. So what makes lymphedema different from edema is that lymphedema has a protein rich fluid. So um, the protein rich fluid, water just through osmosis, it just keeps, it's very much attracted to that protein, which um, leads to the, the significant pooling of fluid. Um, the lymphatic system in general is, keeps our body detoxed and healthy and um, gets rid of all those nasty toxins um, and able-bodied and, you know, well-oiled humans have the ability to uh, naturally push those um, fluids out of us, all that nasty stuff out of us. But when there's damage or injury, that's when that fluid starts pooling and that's when we can have a problem, not only for, um, the fluid, the aesthetics of the pooling of the fluid, because it, it is, it, it changes the look of your body. Um, but there's so many other things that go into it. So then we start wondering, gosh, is there some vascular issues that we need to be looking at? Um, patients with lymphedema are at a high risk of um, cellulitis because when everything is not moving, um, bacteria can get into the skin very easily. So the lymphatic system in lymphedema um, is skin. So we like to think it all just kind of lays up on that top layer of skin. And um, there's a bunch of, you know, valves and um, all that good stuff, um, efferent, efferent, all that things anatomically that goes on. Um, but more importantly, it's just, we want to flush out all that nasty stuff. And with that, I was wondering what um, techniques do you use to help people with lymphedema? I know some people use TED hose and you mentioned elevation. Is there other techniques that you use or people can use at home? Yeah. So um, anytime, um, if I were to get a referral for lymphedema, so I feel like there's, there's two separate things. There's a medical kind of side of it. So if a patient has a wound or if there is, um, you know, stageable lymphedema, which means, so there's the latency stage, which we find if patients have, um, their clothes start fitting a little tighter or something like that, then that would be the signs that may, Hey, maybe we don't want this to progress. So let's start with some conservative measures. So that may be what we're looking at some compression, some elevation of our limb exercise, um, diet, hydration, that kind of stuff would be those conservative measures. Um, and those are those typically, if you have any type of natural edema or anything like that, if you're in that early stages, it should resolve. It should go back to normal. So what we like to do for compression is we like to say off take the compression off at night and then put it on first thing in the morning. So that would be something, you know, for those um, pregnant gals that have some natural <laughs> increased swelling. Um, now they would not, we don't maybe have a diagnosis of lymphedema by any means. However, there is some increased inflammation. So that's when it would feel good to have a lymphatic massage to try to help that, but don't have the diagnosis of lymphedema. 
And with some of your patients, I was just wondering where you're saying that there's not a lot of people that come or there's not, um, there, there's a need for it. Do you feel like some people that don't reach out, is there a stigma between it or they don't know what to do, or is there just no help or they feel like there's no help for, for their. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think it's a little bit of all of that. So when I see patients, um, so if I get a referral, there's with this, when I talked about the stages, so, you know, if we're at the, we're at the last stage of lymphedema, that's when we see a diagnosis of like elephantitis. Um, some of these patients that I see have chronic wounds that have not healed for two or three years. And so they have been through the ringer. They've been through every specialist that we have, that they have, they've been to vascular, they've been to the wound clinic, they've been to outpatient lymphedema, been through the home health. They are just tired. They're just really tired of the whole system per se. And so a lot of times when I see patients, it's kind of the worst of the worst. Um, I mean, granted, I see patients that are not the worst of the worst, but they are, they've kind of exhausted all of their resources and they're burnt out. They're burnt out of people telling them that they can help them, but seeing no results. I mean, two to three years of having a wound is a long time. Um, And so, and I also think, you know, there is a stigma. I mean, some of my patients have not showered, have been able to access a shower in two or three years. Um, Their legs or their limbs are too heavy to be able to lift them into the shower. So, um. First and foremost, we we do we do what's called um, complete decongestive therapy. So that's where we combine um, manual therapy as well as compression uh, to help the patient eliminate as much fluid as we can. And then following the fluid removal, then we go into the long-term management of the, the lymphedema. Um, and then after all of that, then we can kind of address the OT side of things, which is the ADLs, which is showering, dressing. How can we get your quality of life back to maybe what you haven't had in years? Um, I have a patient right now that um, has not seen his legs, how he's seen them in over 10 years. So it's it can really be life-changing, but there definitely is a stigma. Um, and I also think there may be um, a lapse of education um, on what people are experiencing. They just think that's how it is and they have to live their life like that when that's not the case. So, um, and the other thing is that being um, able to, you know, go to patients' home, it removes a lot of the stress of transportation, going to clinic. Um, a lot of patients don't have the ability. I mean, if you have, if a patient has elephantitis and can't lift their legs, the likelihood of them being able to lift their legs into a car two to three days a week is next to none. So um, they've been homebound for years and years and years and haven't been able to get the help that they need. And it's scary. It's really scary to open yourself up to someone new and and them coming in saying, hey, I think I can help you when you've been turned down so many times or been disappointed, I guess, so many times before. Yeah. So someone that's in that, you know, that last stage, that elephantitis stage, is it possible? I know that you said there's a lot of things you can do to get your quality of life up, um, but is it possible to go back to some of those lower stages or kind of once you reach that stage and so much damage has been done, is it always going to be at that stage? Yeah, so it's not, lymphedema is not curable. It's it's not curable by any means, but it is manageable. So the goal always is to, um, you know, get back to that latency stage where we can at least manage it long-term. Um, elephantitis is just a whole nother another ball game really there's so many other factors that go into that um because it's not it is very progressed um and it takes a lot of motivation and perseverance from both the therapist and the patient um so yes i mean it is possible it 
takes a lot, um, but we we hope to be able to get you know patients back to where they can at least manage it. Um, some of those you know hyperpigmentation of the skin, um, some of those skin conditions that come with elephantitis. They're you know fancy words of you know hyperkeratosis or papillomas or things like that, um, which is change in skin conditions that, you know, is going to be forever. I mean, that's not going to, we can maybe lessen or soften the tissue, but likely is that it will be there um, long-term. But, you know, the goal is to not be able to remove it, but just to make it more manageable for these patients. Um, because I think that they have gone so long without help that it, it does, it's not going to, I say, I tell patients, it's not going to change overnight. You did not get here overnight. You've been progressing, you know, years and years and years to get to the stage where you are. Um, now those are advanced cases. I mean, I do also see patients that um, have, um, I'm seeing a couple patients right now that have issues with or their vascular system. So they have decreased sensation and we're just using manual therapy um, to try to remove some of the fluid to allow them their nerves to fire a little better. Um, and they do, they do get some increased sensation back and they, we get that nerve, those nerve endings fire better. And so there, I, I see such a wide range of patients, um, which also makes it so enjoyable because it's never the same every day. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the other causes of this? I know you mentioned cancer, um, I know you mentioned sometimes with pregnancy, people can have um, yeah. mild cases. What are some of the other causes that cause issues with the lymphatic system? Yeah, so cancer is a big one. Um, we're seeing a lot more um, lymphedema linked to obesity. Um, we're seeing issues vascularly with, um, you know, um, chronic vascular insufficiency is a big one that I see. Um, impacting fluid movement. Um, I'm trying to think. We any surgeries. So if a patient has uh, is postoperatively for say a knee replacement or something like that, and they're having issues healing, or they're getting caught up at a certain degree of you know, in their rehab, it could be because there was damage to the lymphatic system that um, is limiting the fluid movement. So they may just need some manual therapy to increase that fluid movement um, because fluid limits mobility. Um, surgery, CBI, um, there are some um, increased edema with cardiac conditions or um, uh, um, but that's not necessarily linked to lymphedema that could be cardiac edema so there's just a whole range there could be issues um, with kidneys and there's there's a bunch of stuff that can go into it if patients are medically complex um, but they're not the cause of lymphedema. So those other ones are the big risk factors that I see pretty pretty frequently. So when you're doing the manual therapy, is that just applying pressure to get the fluids to move? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, so we um, it's the I use the Vodder technique, V-O-D-D-E-R, which I could be mispronouncing that, but I know how to spell it. So, um, but it's the technique that I was trained in. So basically you are stretching the skin. So you're not really applying any pressure. It's very different than any type of massage you've probably ever gotten. Um, so there's two phases. You do a working phase and a resting phase with any type of movement. Um, and there's a sequence that you use. So we... Uh, work to move the fluid. So say you, I have a patient that had breast cancer in their right arm um, and they have a lot of fluid pulling in this limb. I would open the lymph nodes um, 
in the working system. So the main ones are the axillary, which are your armpits, and the inguinal, which are by your hip bones. So I would work to move that fluid of that right arm to their working lymph nodes. So I'd work to move it to their left armpit and their right hip. Um, in addition to that, you do a lot of other things because you're going to develop they call anastomosis. So we're going to try to work to open up the area. Um, but you also, you know, there's things that you can do at home to move fluid too. So you also always want to start up here. So this is called the short neck seat series. Um, so we want to start up by our collarbone and then we work to, you know, do a, a little sequence there and then we do our abdomen. So our abdomen has some of the deepest lymph nodes um, and it helps push the fluid. Um, and our goal is to ultimately push that excess fluid back into our circulatory system to, you know, essentially just urinate it out um, to get it out of our body. Um, so it it's very complex, which is why you do not want to go to, to a patient or a therapist or anyone that has not been correctly trained because it's likely if you're not trained and you don't know where you're pushing that fluid, you could do more harm than good. Um, you could be pushing that fluid where you don't, you know, you where you don't want it, but you also want to be make sure that you have someone that connects with your doctor in the event that you do have a formal diagnosis of any type of lymphedema so that we can check your heart and kidney function to make sure that your heart can handle the fluid movement and your kidneys can handle the fluid movement. Um, because if we don't check those numbers and we push fluid into your circulatory system and we're asking your heart and kidneys to work tenfold, you know, there's the likelihood that your heart could stop. Um, with combination of the manual therapy and um, bandaging, which, you know, um, is, the, you know, the gold standard of lymphatic treatment. Um, so we have to be very, very diligent when we're looking at patients that are super complex um, to make sure that they're strong enough and they have the capability to handle that. Because um, I don't want to push the fluid somewhere and just have it pool um, or do the reverse you know, it, it just has the potential to do a lot of harm if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And I was going to ask you a little bit more about, cause I know we were talking about the lymphatic system, but I know you also do wound care. What yeah. uh, will make a person decide to go see a wound care specialist? Yeah. So, um, I have been really fortunate to, um, link, link up with some amazing wound care physicians locally. Um, and when a patient goes in to get wound care, a lot of times with any type of damage or wound care com naturally comes inflammation. So patients that have uh, increased inflammation and increased swelling, um, that fluid is limiting uh, circulation and blood flow to that wound site. So the wound is not going to heal. So patients that have had wounds for years, I mean, naturally a wound should heal in four to six weeks. Beyond that, it's considered chronic. So patients that have had wounds for years, that's not natural. And so patients would probably get frustrated and want to seek out care. Um, the fluid is limiting wound healing. So when I get referrals from um, wound care clinics, my job as the lymphedema therapist with the wound care physician is my goal is to eliminate all that excess fluid that may be limiting um, blood flow that's limiting wound healing. So if the wound is not getting the appropriate blood flow, it's obviously not going to heal because it needs a nice clean and um, wound bed to be able to heal. So if fluid's in the way, it's not, it's just going to get worse or it's not going to see any type of improvement. So I would say if patients are seeing like chronic wounds is probably when they go or infection, cellulitis and infection is probably, I would say the main reason patients would go seek help. Yeah. And with cellulitis, like I know what it is only because I've been a CNA and 
Um, my mom was a nurse. Can you describe what cellulite yeah. is and, and why you don't want it? Cause I know a lot of people have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When you have it, you'll know it. you will never want this ever again. It is horrible. It's essentially an infection of the skin. So bacteria gets into the, you know, our skin and it just is a bright red tomato. It has a map like border. It is, does not heal without an um, antibiotics. It is nasty. It has the potential to spread systemically if not cared for. So if you were to look at a, a patient's leg perhaps, and you say, oh my gosh, it looks like a tomato and it's warm to the touch. It has a border that's not symmetric. It's just like a little bit curvature. Those would be things to get treated immediately. Um, increased swelling. Um, but it also it's very evident that there's something wrong. Um, it does not look normal at all. Um, fever can go hand in hand with that. Um, you want to make sure that you get checked out quickly because it can spread like wildfire. It spreads very quickly. Um, and it ha- like I said, it has the potential to spread throughout our bodies and you could, a patient could go septic, um, which results in you know, could be fatal or it results in a very lengthy hospital or, and or rehab stay um, with the cellulitis. Yeah. Um, from a from a treatment perspective, a patient, if they have a diagnosis of cellulitis, first and foremost, it's likely to happen again. So an education piece is part of a huge component of the treatment plan. In addition to that, we have to make sure that the patient is on antibiotics for at least 72 hours um, prior to initiating any type of treatment um, because we want to make sure that we don't spread that. So if you think about it, um, cellulitis is an infection of the skin and it has all that bacteria. So if I were number one to push fluid or push that fluid either through compression and bandaging or manual therapy, I'm push. I'm encouraging that to spread throughout the body. So we have to make sure we're on any type of antibiotic for 72 hours. Um, in the hospital, if the patient's hospitalized and has an active diagnosis of cellulitis, and they're carefully monitored, and you know they have care 24 hours a day, that's a different story. But I'm just talking about like the home or outpatient setting, um, because I can't be there and monitor and say, oh gosh, no, we need to stop. It's getting worse or things like that, Um, excuse me. But there's also, in addition to cellulitis, a lot of patients get concerned with the potential of a blood clot, which can be similar symptoms. Um, With blood clots, however, the swelling tends to be very localized. So you tend to see a localized swelling, redness, um, very painful, challenging to move. Um, But you always wanna get checked out because a lot of times patients um, will go through what they do a Doppler um, to diagnose a blood clot, um, which patients with cellulitis may also do that just to rule out a DVT so that the physicians and the team is very educated and aware. So um, I know like the only instance I've ever had with any swelling or anything was after pregnancy, um, likely because of all the fluids I got. So for some of those like mild cases, um, like that, Candace, I know that you had mentioned that you had some after when we were talking after we had traveled, um, a lot. What's your recommendation for some of those mild cases? Like what are some things that you recommend that people can do at home to help get that fluid moving throughout their body? Yeah, so that is so true. Um, I was traveling, we were traveling with our in-laws um, recently, and my brother-in-law made a comment about my ankle because it was so swollen, and it was like pulling over my leg, and I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, so it's a very real thing. Um, so what I did is I made sure to kind of watch my salt in- intake when I got home, Um I do, you know, you want to do all those conservative things. So you want to keep your legs up. You want to exercise. Um, One of, it sounds so silly and simple, but the easiest thing to do is ankle pumps. So you want to contract, encourage muscle contraction of your ankle um, to help with move those, move that fluid and just increase 
natural movement, um, water, hydration, diet, exercise, compression. Um, those are the main things you can do. Also, um, there, I do see that, um, I do also offer, you know, lymphatic massages because they feel good. It's a nice detox. It makes you feel really good, but I have noticed also that there are, um, a few therapists locally that have, um, massage therapy clinics that are, um, trained in the MLD as well. So getting a lymphatic massage would feel so good as well. Um, you can also just do some self-movement, um, to encourage that. So if you're going to do any self, you know, massage, you don't want to go deep with the lymphatic system as think I mentioned before, you just want to stretch the skin and promote movement. So you want to go, um, what we like to say, distally to proximally. Um, so we want to go from our toes up into um, our groin area. Now, when I or a lymphatic therapist does fluid movement, we start proximally, distally, but then we always finish distillate approximately. So always finish it out and move it back upward. Um, but those are some ways you can do just natural things at home. Um, salt plays a huge role. I mean, um, I don't know if you've ever had a couple of cocktails or margaritas with a little salt on the rim. The next day you'll probably feel a little bit more inflamed and swollen. Um, that just salt you know, salsa and chips, that plays a big role. So salt does naturally do that. Now, the difference between like that is that's just natural edema, swelling, um, and it's nice to have that protein rich. So the goal is that with those conservative measures, that's that you should return to normal fairly quickly. Yeah, I'd say within a couple of days. I see a lot of stuff on Instagram about dry brushing. Is that something that could help as well? Or is that just kind of something that's tricky right now? Yeah. Well, I think the lymphatic system or therapy right now is so trendy. It's becoming such a huge trend. Um, there, especially with all the med spas and things that are promoting lymphatic therapy. Um, dry brushing. So am I, it's not something I utilize with my treatment. Um, I, when I think of dry brushing, I think of it to be a sensor, more of a sensory focused thing, which I don't think it's bad. I think it's a more, um, traditional approach perhaps to dry brush. Um, but you're trying to act, I think with dry brushing, I would guess you're trying to activate your sensory system and your nerve ending, I would think. It's not something I personally utilize. That doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, but I just, I just don't utilize that in my treatment, but if it feels good, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not one for light touch. I, so, I mean, I can, I, I enjoy the feeling of lymphatic therapy and the movement. Um, but dry brushing, I, I don't know that that would feel good to me. Um, but I was going to mention too, uh, with the trendiness of that. So there are um, a few med spas locally too that have, are, you know, promoting lymphatic therapy. And um, I, I don't know exactly what they do, but I do know that they use a um, compression pump, which is called a pneumatic pump. Um, and that, that can be good. So if you do have a formal diagnosis of lymphedema, um, you always want to be followed by um, someone that is trained in that because the pneumatic pump can be tricky. It's great for long-term management once we can remove some of that protein-rich um, fluid. But if you're just going to do it once because it feels good, you're not going to remove any protein or fluid. So um, you just want to make sure you're educated before you embark in kind of those those um wellness ventures perhaps yeah i think we might have alice and i might have done that yeah at, i was did. like wait a minute that sounds familiar yeah. we did that at restore, restore. yeah oh did you yeah. yeah it probably feels i think it feels it so good. good and there's yeah. so many added benefits you know with digestion and i mean 
if you're kind of backed up, it feels so good on the abdomen to get things flowing and wake things up that maybe have been dormant for so long. Um, and so for someone maybe that has like, like you mentioned, like postpartum or something, and they don't have access to a um, lymphatic massage or they want like a quicker, cause they I think they're like 20, they can range 20 minutes to an hour, I believe in treatment sessions, depending on the sequence you do. Um, for my patients, I work with a vendor that is wonderful. And I speak so highly of them um, that we can get patients the pump for long-term management just to kind of maintain what the progress we've made. But for, um, you know, like you and I, that it, it feels good. It feels so good just to even get a quick little detox and um, here and there. So yeah, um, yeah, I speak great of that, but that does remove the fluid. Um, it just kind of gets things going. Did you guys, did you notice any increased fluid movement or you had to go to the bathroom more? I did. Like, yeah. 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 I think uh, you were like, I had to go to the bathroom. I have to be, I mean, I go to the bathroom all the time, but I, when I thought about it, I was like, wait, I had to, I was like, I got to go. And then. Yeah. It's yeah. like, it's almost instant. Yeah. You kind of get rid of that so quickly. Yeah. It's, it's amazing what our bodies hold on to. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah. And it was even like a very relaxing because we interviewed them and they wanted us to just try out some of their things. And that was one of the very, like, I was just at first I was like, well, we're putting boots on our like, <laughs> boots on our legs. I don't know how this would be relaxing, but we were there for like 45 minutes. And yeah. then it just really did start feeling really calm. And I was yeah. like, I could do that. But again, like, I was just, oh, I really got to go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you really got to go. Yeah. But then that's some of, um, that's what I, when I do my, so, um, I do majority of my clientele, um, I bill insurance. So, um, I work with the insurance and things like that, but for patients that do want just wellness and they want just like a feel good thing, you know, that it does, it just, it really, and it also, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's energizing. You would think like you get relaxed, but you also leave and you don't feel just like you feel energized and things get moving again it's great yeah it was awesome I really enjoyed it and that was my first time doing it and you know I think at that time I thought it was just something that athletes do you know for yeah and it's yeah Yeah. exactly recovery um, restoring all overall just like wellness is such a good thing so there's so much to kind of dive in because there's for what majority of what I with my patients is very medically driven um, but there's also the wellness side of things um holistically which everyone you know could benefit from um on a day-to-day basis but, so there's it's it's going to become so much bigger too it's be already in the few years that i've been practicing it's become so much more prevalent um and there's a not a lot of uh lymphedema therapists out there so um it's there's yeah, just a huge need. I know you really focus on creating individualized treatments. So can you kind of walk through like what somebody could expect um, if they wanted to reach out and um, schedule some time to work with you and kind of yeah. what they could expect um, once they reach out um, and kind of walk us through that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So if we, when if I, if I were to get a referral um, from the insurance standpoint, I would say, um, is I always get the patient's insurance, run benefits, determine eligibility prior. And then we set up an initial evaluation. And that is when we go in and we want to, you know, I want to know everything. I want to know everything they've tried, everything they've been through. Um, The first session, I do a lot of asking questions and listening and trying to develop a plan in my head which I think would be best for the specific patient. Um, a good amount of that first visit or two is developing rapport as well. Trying to get, you know, um, a lot of education, getting the patient to understand the meaning behind why we're doing what we're doing. I'm not trying to convince them, but some patients are hesitant because they've been through so much. Um, but if I can just you know, I say, give me one or two visits and we'll go from there because um, after the first visit, a lot of times I will speak to whatever doctor that 
they um, are seen. So if there's, they have, obviously I will connect with their primary care provider, um, a nephrologist, if they have any kidney issues, um, cardiologist, if appropriate, um, connect with all the appropriate physicians to get clearance before if a patient's medically complex. Um, and then after that, then we kind of come up with a treatment plan. Um, if it involves wound care, then we would do the wound care before we would do anything. So um, with patients that need wound care, and I'm, I'm trying to move the fluid away from that wound, um, we would use bandaging um, with use of what we call short stretch bandages. So it's a multi-layer bandage um, where we have the ability to comply, apply compression where needed and to apply compression where not needed to encourage fluid movement. Um, so that's probably within the first few visits. And it's not unlikely for patients to, um, the first visit, I always take measurements and I do five measurements um, each limb and I get a total circumferential measurement so I can continue to compare. Um, but it's not abnormal for my patients to notice, you know, we measure in centimeters. So about a six to seven centimeter decrease at one point of the limb. So say for example, um, behind the knee, we're measuring, you know, I don't know, 60, 70 centimeters. That next visit, we may be down to 50 centimeters, 55 centimeters. So the fluid moves quick with um, the type of bandaging that we do. Um, so the good news is patients start seeing results quickly, which gets them going and they feel encouraged and they are more motivated to stick to the plan. So after those first few visits, that first week I may see patients, you know, three, four times a week, depending. And then after that, um, you know, if we if we can cut back and there's not as much weeping, which is um, fluid, you know, outside of the skin, um, if that's a problem for the patient, then we may be able to back off the frequency a little bit, but. For the first few visits, um, I would come in, I would assess, take measurements, um, clean the area, do the wound care if needed, and then rebandage. Um, and that's what it looks like for a good amount of time until we can get those, either those wounds healed, the weeping stopped, or um, we're at a point where we can transit, then transition to long-term um, management of it. So. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, which can be so scary and intimidating for patients. Um, but I try to make it as, you know, inviting and as welcoming and calming as possible. So I don't use a whole lot of big words or anything like that to scare anyone because, you know, they've they've been through that. They they know. So I, very welcoming, inviting, and um, more likely than not, we we see results really quickly. And I have to imagine um, it's helpful for them to know that there's a plan and that um, there's somebody that's committed to the plan with them yeah. um, instead of just, you know, going in, seeing someone, getting referred somewhere for a couple of treatments. Um, exactly. It's like you're helping create, you know, this full game plan so they can feel confident that they've got they've got a provider that's invested yeah. in them and is going to partner with them to help them reach their goals. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point too, because, you know, some of these clinics that um, patients try to go see, they leave feeling so frustrated because they have to wait six to eight weeks on a wait list. They go in for an evaluation. They could then actually begin treatment in three to four weeks um, whereas I'm fortunate that I can go in and I say, okay, let's start, you know, my next opening is this date, let's do it. And then they have a direct line to me whenever they need it. So if, you know, it should never, the treatment should never be painful. We never want it to be painful. And if it is, then we need to reassess. Um, and so they have a direct line and just knowing that I think puts patients at ease instead of having to call and get transferred three or four times to try to talk to someone, leave a message, and then maybe get a phone call back that day. 
But if not, you know, then they either have their options are urgent care or the ER. Um, so having, you know, access where they can, you know, send me photos that they're so concerned or things like that. Now I'm not a physician, um, but I am able to kind of guide them in the event that, hey, no, I think that is concerning. Let's get you to the appropriate person. Or yeah, no, you do need to go to the ER. Do you have a fever? Walk them through that. Um, and almost as a like a health advocate too. Um, that's not my not my job description, but I do feel I take my patients, um, I take them very seriously and I and I'm there for them and I advocate for them and I work with them as they need. So if I need to get them, help get them a walker or um, work with them on things that they haven't been able to do, that's all in the scope of my, of my OT, you know, background. So um, it all goes hand in hand. And, and I just, I, I am so passionate about helping patients and changing their lives and for the better too. Yeah. And even more when you're talking about it too, I just thought of um, the only reason I know a little bit about wound care and stuff was my mom was a nurse, but she had an open wound when she fell and it almost took over six months or something. They had to use baby foreskin and then do a skin graft. And it oh, never, gosh. yeah, it took, I remember months and then there's always a scar. And then she was like, she was a medical anomaly. She also got um, <laughs> necrotizing flashitis, if I say that correctly. She was oh one of eight people in in Nebraska that got it, I think that year or something. Yeah. And I remember seeing, oh, wow. I'm, I'm disturbing, like Allison will be grossed out, but I'm like, let me see it. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> she meant half of her, half of her butt was eaten away from the, the virus. <sighs> and so um, it was really hard for her to find things. And again, she's, I said, she's a nurse because then of course she's like, well, I know this, this, and this, but it was hard for her to find sometimes, like you said, the proper care, or she would have home people, but it's very, or home nurse health, but it's also, like you said, like you have to go through insurance, you have to go through all these like hoops. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to get them out. Or I usually, or I try to bring up when I did take care of people with special needs, some of them have that as well. And it's like you said, with some that don't, can't go out for, um, can't be mobile. Um, like I had issues where sometimes me personally, like my back went out, nothing to do with lymphedema. And then people are like, well, just go to the doctor. I'm like, I can't leave my bed. Like I'm in so yeah. much pain. I can't move. And they're like, well, just get in the car. And I'm like, did you people not understand? And so yeah. I think like you said, like sometimes people cannot leave their house or they cannot move or the clients I had did not understand what's going on. So I do think it's great that you do have these your mobile or you have like, there's an yeah. opportunity to reach out to this group of people. Cause I don't think it's talked about or um, like when I mentioned that too, I don't know about shame, but either sometimes you don't know who to go to or where to go to, or if it got that bad, you don't want to talk to someone. Well, yeah, about that. Exactly. And you know, you, you know, if you call your doctor and the doc, you know, more times than not, it, you do have to advocate so hard for yourself in the system these days. And if you don't have the, if you've been disappointed or let down so many times, I mean, there's only so much you can take before you just put your hands up and you're like, I just, I can't. Um, and asking a patient to leave, a, leave the home, I mean, and they aren't even able to access a shower. I mean, they're not able to do basic self-cares. So that's, and on top of that comes, you know, sometimes some anxieties and um, yeah, it's just an overall just could be a very poor experience and anxiety provoking the thought of even having to leave the house. Um, and you throw in COVID, you know, in the pandemic and being homebound for years, um, you know, patients haven't left their house for two or three years. And the thought of having to do that um I mean, that can just in itself be debilitating to think about that. But, um, you know, if you see a patient that's in their 90s and they're not able to drive and they have to rely on someone to get to a clinic three days a week um, and they don't have an option besides a private, you know, transport or Moby, they, they spend three out of their seven days of their week 
in a van, you know, trying to transport and waiting hours for pickup. And it's just, there's that, there's that part of it too. So um, it's been, I've partnered so well with, you know, a, a good amount of lymphedema therapists locally that do work in hospitals and are, are able to see the need when they're not able to get the consistency from these patients. And I'm so happy to help because I, I'm just so passionate about that and um, give these patients their life back, which is what it's all about. So if somebody wants to connect with you to work, how can they, how can they find you? Yeah. So I have um, a, website and let me think let me see what it is okay the www.propeltherapyne.com <laughs> you know got my guard dog back there <laughs> um, and then we are on instagram as well and it's propel underscore therapy and then um my a phone number um you can also call too um do you want me to actually give that um, you can, and we can also put in the show notes too, if you'd like. Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, so my direct line is 402-714-3575 and all you need to do is just call and then I can walk you through whatever is needed, um, that way. But I, I would also just like to say, it's just, it's so important to have a team and I know you guys have a taken on, you know, the joy of being able to interview so many different practitioners locally. And it's, they're all lovely and every, you would not, you have to have a team and, um, you know, acting as an advocate. So even if you have a question, I may not, that may not be my specialty, but I can point you in the right direction um, because I'm happy to help wherever way I can. Well, yeah. Jen, I'm so glad that you are here oh, yeah. <laughs> and that you've identified this need to help serve our community. Um, it sounds yeah. like you're um, doing an awesome job at, you know, filling a gap in care for people. Yeah, I hope so. And I'm happy to help. And thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. Hey, friends. If you like what you heard on this episode, please subscribe to our show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you can be notified of new episodes. Please leave us a rating and review to help others find our podcasts, and we love reading your feedback. You can also follow us on Instagram at Rooted Vitality and let us know if there are any topics you would like us to discuss or dive deeper into. If you are a health and wellness practitioner and would like to be a guest on our podcast, please message us. We love hearing from our listeners.